Welcome back to Morning Sense, everyone. Uh, apologies for bumping this back to around lunchtime. It's 11.30 in the morning here at East Coast time. Uh, and we've had quite the round of technical difficulties, but Grace is back in the studio and she's uh, killing it with what uh, little time we've had to work with. If you, in case you missed it, we had to stream through StreamYard in an emergency stream this morning on Money Talks. And uh, if you, you know, we talked, we basically dedicated the whole episode to Elon Musk uh, bidding for Twitter for $54.20 a share. And that's like a $43 billion valuation, I believe, but we'll get into that. Checking in on the markets, the Dow is up 0.4%, the NASDAQ down 1%, and the S&P 500 down 0.26%. If you look at the, the heat map, big tech is down, some financials are up while some banks are down. We're going to get into uh, bank earnings, which dropped today. Uh, we have healthcare and drug manufacturers doing okay today and consumer defensive. It seems like we are oscillating between aggressive and defensive, aggressive and defensive. So yesterday was a good market for aggressive, and today is more of a defensive type of day. Uh, Boo-hoo. Uh, but fear, fear not, we will cover this throughout whatever happens. Let's go into our first story. High gasoline prices take up big market share of March retail spending increase. Sales rose 50 basis points as consumers spend more on essentials like gasoline and food. High gasoline prices account for a big share of a March increase in U.S. retail sales as inflation took up a larger part of consumer spending. Consumers increased retail and restaurant spending by 0.5% in March compared with the previous month. Sales at gas stations accounted for much of the increase with a almost 9% jump over the previous month, reflecting sharply higher fuel prices related to the Ukraine war. Excluding, excluding gasoline sales, retail sales actually fell by 0.3%. Declines in online shopping and autos, auto sales held back spending totals. Overall, retail sales would have been higher if not for a 1.9% monthly auto sales decline. Auto companies struggled with a vehicle shortage during the pandemic. Sales also sharply declined sharply at online retailers, a 6.4% drop over February. The takeaway here is that consumers are feeling the brunt of increased oil prices and, uh, and inflation happening. So everyone feels much more poor and uh, much more sensitive to spending. This is something that we see both in the data now and anecdotally. Let's move on to the next story. Mortgage rates hit 5% for the first time. This is a new story that just actually dropped, so we don't have a, a card for it, but mortgage rates hit 5% for the first time since 2011. The monthly cost of buying a typical home has surged by more than a third over the past year by one estimate, yet demand still remains robust. Lots and lots and lots of people calling for a housing bubble that is about to pop. And they, they point to both increasing inventories of new builds and also increasing interest rates and increasing pricing, which stymies affordability. And so they think there is a housing crisis going on. So we did a deep dive just now um, about an hour ago for the ROIC members at ROI.club. And, uh, you know, we've done actually two deep dive streams over the past two weeks 
it's all in, uh, at ROI.club. And going into why we don't think that that's fully the case, but um, so that's the takeaway is uh, we have a contrarian view at ROI Club that we are not in a um, a housing bubble. But definitely if you're a Roic member, go check that out and uh, go check out some of the deep dives if you're interested in, in really digging through the data with us. Going to our real question or our real first story that we have cards for over here. Also guys, don't forget to like the video. Um, thanks for the 50 people in the chat and uh, don't forget the meeting pulse for Q&A. Ethereum merge no longer expected in June. So those of you that like following along crypto with me, this is pretty big news. According to Ethereum core developer, Tim Baiko, the network's much anticipated shift to prove a stake might not come until fall. This is what I've been saying, everyone. Fully decentralized is all is not always best in all aspects. When you are a decentralized team that requires basically volunteer-ish work, we've been hearing about proof of stake being rolled out for the Ethereum network for years. And then we thought it was going to happen in June. And not and it's getting pushed back yet again. So um, the merge significant, significant, oh my gosh, it's been one of those days I can't even speak English anymore. The merge signifies Ethereum's shift to a proof of stake mechanism for securing itself. Today, the network relies on a resource intensive proof of work system similar to that of Bitcoin, whereby a decentralized network of computers competes to validate transactions. Ethereum's move to proof of stake, where users reserve the ability to secure the network by staking Ether, is expected to cut the network's energy cost by 99% and make it easier for Ethereum to scale. You know what it also signifies? Is that when they move to proof of stake, mining and the need for mining chips goes down quite a bit too. Even after the merge, Ethereum's high gas fees and relatively slow speeds, which have made the network unstable for many applications, are likely to remain. Ethereum is at the center of decentralized finance, or called DeFi, GameFi, and NFTs, but a large number of new proof-of-stake chains are nipping at Ethereum's heels by offering users faster and cheaper transactions. Solana. We are long Solana. Cool. So that's a cool story, meaning frustrating story if you're an Ether holder. Let me know what you think about that if you are an Ether holder. The next crypto-ish headline that we should cover is that Jack Dorsey's first tweet NFT went on sale for $48 million, and it ended with a top bid of just $280. Crypto entrepreneur Sina Estavi bought Twitter founder Jack Dorsey's first ever tweet as an NFT for $2.9 million last year. So the actual last sales price was 2.9 million for this NFT. And then he tried to list the NFT for 48 million last week for a profit. And so if we look at the NFT, it was this tweet. Uh, where's the tweet? Uh, no. Just setting up my Twitter misspelled by Jack that was owning this tweet 
Iranian-born crypto entrepreneur Sina Estavi purchased it for 2.9 in March 2021. Last Thursday, he announced on Twitter he wished to sell the NFT and pledge 50% of its proceeds um, to charity, although he thought it would exceed $25 million. The auction closed Wednesday with just seven total offers ranging from 0.09 ETH to, oh man, $280 for this thing. That's pretty funny. Will is asking, is there a Roic episode today? Yes, we did one. Uh, go to ROI.club and go find the recording over there. Yeah, that's pretty sad. So, you know, I've avoided NFTs because I thought it was a bit hypey. I think NFTs are here to stay. I think it's a thing. But for us um, to actually buy it and expect profits, that's a, that's a different story. Thank you for all 69 concurrent viewers in the chat. Let's get 42 likes and uh, we'll also channel our own Elon. Speaking of Elon, the big headline for the day is Elon Musk offers to buy the rest of Twitter at a valuation of more than $43 billion. This is his best and final offer. We dove really deep into this in our live stream for uh, Money Talks. So definitely go to Money Talks um, at Sense Invest channel and go watch that. I mean, we basically went for 35 minutes and talked about this one headline which is dominating everything today i even did a little digging at 6 a.m or 7 a.m in the morning for you all to go to see how much how, what musk needs for this deal to go through and one interesting thing is twitter did not really pop today it, it is trading at about flat so the market basically thinks that it's a 50 50 chance if it goes through or not because he offered 54 20 which is right up here. And then without Musk, it's like a $38, $39 stock. So it's kind of, you got 50% upside for or not 50, not even 50%. You've got a kind of a 20% upside, 20% downside. If you, if you buy here, it's basically just a gamble. Let's move on to big bank earnings. Stocks making the biggest move, Twitter, Goldman Sachs, United health. Um, Goldman Sachs shares rose 2.2%. Let's just check in on them now that the market's had time. So Goldman Sachs was up a little bit, but it now is about flat for the day. After they reported better than expected first quarter profit and revenue, they noted a rapidly evolving market environment had a significant impact on client activity during the quarter. Morgan Stanley is up 1.3% today after they earned $2.02 per share EPS, beating the 1.68, so it was a big EPS beat. And the upbeat results came from came despite market volatility and economic uncertainty. So they're doing a little bit better. Wells Fargo reported adjusted earnings of 88 cents per share, eight cents above estimates, but revenue was slightly below. The bank said it was helped by rising interest rates, but that aggressive Fed actions and the Ukraine war added downside to economic growth risks. And Wells Fargo is doing poorly today. It's down 3.3%. Uh, United Health Group reported adjusted profit of 5.50 a share, 11 cents above estimates. And they're doing, I think they're doing good, UNH stock. Yeah, I mean, they're up 50 basis points. So a lot of these are kind of big, boring companies that are reporting. Rite Aid, ticker RAD, lost an adjusted 1.63 a share, larger than the 57 cent loss. They're like the third, they're like the ugly step-headed 
stepchild, ugly redheaded stepchild of CVS and Walgreens, Rite Aid stock, but they're up 1.2 something percent today. Interesting. I guess people were more bearish about it. Um, but they, the loss, oh, sorry, the loss is smaller than Rite Aid also projected a fiscal 2023 loss that is smaller than analysts had been anticipating. So they gave good guidance or at least encouraging guidance. Western Digital and Seagate technology were both downgraded. So hard drive, di hard drive disk makers. UPS was upgraded to a buy from a hold. And rent the runway was volatile in trading. Let's rent stock. Uh, it's about flat. <laughs> Everything's flat today that reported earnings. How boring. Citigroup topped earnings estimates on better than expected trading revenue. City stock. And they're up about 2% today. All right. So this one, I don't have a FT subscription, but TSMC earnings see so we have tsmc reporting earnings tsmc raises sales outlook despite fears around global demand taiwan semiconductor manufacturing raised its sales outlook for the year after quarterly earnings jumped 45 percent helped by solid demand for chips used in everything from smartphones to cars they also predicted wider earnings margins signaling sustained demand for mobile phones smart televisions and other gadgets And let's look at their stock. TSM is down 2% today. So I think uh, this is one that I think people were have been really bidding up the stock because of its domination of the chip game, which is totally warranted. But it might be just one of those things where expect expectations were priced into really kind of perfection. And maybe the market is just not super impressed by um, just continually good good performance. Thanks so much for being here. We have 72 people in the chat. Uh, we did United Health. Starbucks prepares to expand worker benefits that might exclude unionized staff. That's uh, brutal. That's uh, savage. I think that's the right word. CEO Howard Schultz is ramping up the company's campaign against a unionization push in its U.S. stores, saying new benefits being developed for chain employees legally can't be extended to unionized locations. That is quite the uh, strategy. They're going to give benefits to those that aren't in unions. So we'll see. Uh see how that works out for them. Amazon CEO Jassy just released his first annual shareholder letter since taking over from Bezos. I thought, so I read it actually, and I thought it was, um, it was a, it was a really good, it was a good letter. Like I didn't learn too much, but it really shows his uh, knowledge and that he's been at Amazon and, and helping run Amazon for a long, long time. He is the natural successor to Bezos. And it makes a lot of sense. One thing that I thought was really interesting, what he said uh, for AWS, I'll point it out. He talked about, this is really interesting. Um, 
As we were defining AWS and working backwards on the services we thought customers wanted, we kept triggering one of the biggest tensions in product development. Where to draw the line on functionality in V1? Um, for a core, yeah, blah, blah, blah. It was, it, he gets really technical. The question became, could we offer customers a useful service where they could get meaningful value before we had all the features we thought they wanted? Oh yeah. Um, he, okay. Sorry. Here's another thing. In the early days of AWS, people sometimes asked us why compute wouldn't just be an undifferentiated commodity, but there's a lot more to compute than just a server. Customers want various flavors of compute, performance, com like different types of computing, multiple form factors, various sizes and optimizations of persistent storage and a slew of networking capabilities. Then there's this cheap CPU chip that runs in your compute. For many years, the industry had used Intel or AMD x86 processors. We have important partnerships with these companies, but realized that if we wanted to push price and performance further as customers requested, we'd have to develop our own chips too. Our first generalized chip was Graviton in 2018, and then they did Graviton 2 in 2020, which provides 40% better. And then now they announced Graviton 3 this past December, which is a 25% improvement on top of Graviton 2. So a little bit of a cool takeaway from this is like they are still really bullish in developing their, their own chips. And so if we continue along the lines where everybody's developing their own chips, like Apple's M1, Amazon's Graviton, if maybe Microsoft starts doing it, then what happens to, does that eat into the data center demand for Intel and AMD and possibly NVIDIA? Food for thought for you. Awesome. Uh, another thing that just came out that, so I guess is other news uh, since we made the graphics is that Peloton is raising subscription fees while cutting prices for its bikes and other equipment. Peloton is hiking the monthly Monthly, monthly fee, <laughs> typo there, uh, for its on-demand fitness contact for the first time ever. The connected fitness maker is slashing prices of its bike, bike plus, and tread machines to reach new customers. McCarthy's been at the helm for a little over two months. Effective June 1, the price of Peloton's all-access subscription plan in the U.S. will go up to $44 a month from 39 That's basically in line with inflation. That makes sense to me, as opposed to like, I thought it maybe it would be like $50, $60. In Canada, the fee will rise to $55 a month from $49. Um, maybe that's something to do with the CAD. The cost of a digital-only membership for people that don't, don't own any Peloton's equipment will still be $12.99. Peloton is also currently testing a rental option in select U.S. markets where users can pay a monthly fee anywhere between $60 to $100 bucks for a rented bike and for access to the workout library. Interesting. About the same as a gym membership. And this obviously comes in the middle of a massive Peloton turnaround. And uh, Peloton is down on the news as that headline came out, down 3.5% today and kind of a bouncing along the bottom in the mid to, low mid to low 20s per share. Awesome. Okay, so we got through. Uh, okay, so there's a lot of stuff in the chat. Let's chat for just a, a few moments and then 
I think I have to go take a nap or something. <laughs> um, let's talk about, there are some Q and A's thoughts on Zillow. Um, I'll save that for ROI club members at a couple We'll revisit that one for Roic members. Um, Ali is saying no way he sells any Tesla. Yeah, I mean, I'm not selling Tesla. Oh, oh, he's asking about, is it a good time to sell Tesla in case Musk buys the whole Twitter and begins selling the stocks? No, so just some people don't understand this on Twitter. Like he would borrow money in like a leverage buyout to buy Twitter in cash. Like he wouldn't sell. I don't think he would sell a material portion of his Tesla stock. Talk about Coinbase. I like Coinbase. It's a great way to play crypto. Um, and Coinbase will vacillate with crypto. And it's just getting even cheaper. Uh, crypto itself is down almost 3% today and almost 7% for the week. Uh, Mike is saying, surprise retail spending increase or should we look at should we look at Square Clover point of sale stocks? So if so, we covered the story earlier in the stream. Actually, if you dig into the story, retail is not doing super well. It's kind of doing what we thought we thought um, it would do, which is kind of come down a bit. Uh, the data is skewed by increased spending at the gas pump. So retail spending at the gas pump because gas is expensive. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna wrap it up today. It's been a long week. I can't wait to see you guys bright and early on Monday, though, and with renewed vigor. I love you guys, and thank you for being here. I know this is a small channel. This is only, oh, only 100 of you that tune in live for morning recaps of the day. Oh, another little announcement is don't forget, the market is closed tomorrow for Good Friday. So we all get a little bit of a break. Until next time, Relic members, most of you are Relic members here in the chat. Uh, we're going to be spending all day tomorrow just like filling in the Roic workbook. It's going to be cool. It's going to be awesome. It's our Roic Wikipedia of all investing research on the internet. So I'm really excited. We're going to be kind of tinkering away at that. Uh, we'll be in the chats. Love you all. Don't forget to leave a co comment and a like. And have a great Good Friday Easter weekend. And I'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye.